Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Matthew Loveridge and I'm joined by Jack Luke and we're going to talk through some of our tech highlights from the year that was 2020. Jack, Shimano made a pretty big splash this year with the launch of its new EP8 power system for e-bikes. Talk us through why that was significant. Well, there was two ways we could have put together this podcast. We could have picked our personal highlights and things that really stood out, or we could go with a data-driven decision. And I decided to go with the latter. And looking through our top performing stories of this year, as Matthew says, EPA came out on top. Now, that is extremely notable because... All else aside, e-bikes are by far the most divisive topic on bike radar. Um, you either love them or hate them, and the commenters love to say so. Just, so to see the EP8 motor system streaking ahead as the biggest story of the year was quite a surprise to me. And the motor itself has also made quite a big splash in the industry. The kind of key headline figures on it is that the torque, the overall torque, which was something Shimano was often kind of criticised for compared to its competitors, was boosted to 85 newton meters, which will drag even my leaden body up the steepest of trails. It's also a significant reduction in weight, and I think that's going to be a big trend in e-bikes as we move forward, because though, of course, you do have the assistance of a motor, reducing weight makes the bikes feel more natural and more neutral, and that brought the overall system weight down to 2.6 kilos claimed by Shimano. The Q factor, which is also the distance between each of the cranks, so how far apart your feet are essentially, was also reduced to 177 millimetres. And overall, 
the decrease in drag of the new system is said to be 36%. So to summarize, a more natural feeling, more powerful motor overall. Now, the tech itself is really interesting, and I would urge you to head to bikerader.com to read the full scoop. But I think the fact, as I mentioned, that an e-bike story was out in front is, you know, a big deal. It really is. Yeah, it's it's significant. I mean, Shimano has been a big proponent of e-bikes for quite a long time because they offer them across all types of bike. They've they've been really good on the kind of hybrid urban cycling side of things, but EPA is quite sort of performance oriented, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a more of the kind of mountain bike market. Um, and though we will see, I've no doubt on cargo and utility bikes is very much their performance motor. As with all Shimano tech, it's almost a given that this is their new top tier motor system. It's it's being specced on, you know, high end bikes. But the improvements that we've seen with this system will likely trickle down to the more affordable end of the market as the years progress and you know there's enormous demand for all bicycles this year but e-bikes according to some studies are making up like 30 percent of sales in uk bike shops now i think it was the figures we had last week possibly or no maybe it's the 30 percent growth nonetheless there's still a huge portion of the market and that is reflected in the type of people that are reading our website and reading the news but also what's just resonating with the wider public and of course we now know that e-bikes are potentially greener than conventional bicycles if you listen to our recent podcast on that subject with um our physicist seb Stott, who did a pretty in-depth study on that uh he did a, a looking at the kind of life cycle analysis data for carbon emissions relating to different modes of transport and interestingly e-bikes actually beat standard bikes i do really recommend going and listening to that podcast and reading the feature that accompanies it I think the growth in e-bikes is going to be fueled certainly next year and beyond by people not wanting to get on public transport. I mean, I'm very fortunate in that I live within riding distance of work. But if I lived even further out, I cannot imagine a time where I would be truly delighted at getting on a train or a bus. And I think a lot of people are going to move towards bikes because they're convenient, they're cheap, they're safe, they're pleasant. I think it's only going to get bigger from here on out. Yes, and now that we're accustomed to the idea that being in close proximity to other humans is potentially a bad thing, then the equation mm. might look quite different to a lot of people summing up, uh, uh, weighing up different options for their commute. Uh, let's move on to another story. This was arguably a banner year for Specialised. Now, I do worry that perhaps we talk about Specialized too much on the Bike Radar podcast, but there's no getting away from the fact that they are a massively influential brand. And in 2020, on the roadside, uh, their first most significant launch was the new Tarmac SL7. So that's their flagship race bike. And very, very significantly, they merged their kind of lightweight race bike which was the existing tarmac with the venge which was the more aero optimized race bike and said this is one bike to rule them all um, because we can get it down to the 6.8 kilo uci weight limit with aero wheels and this is like your fastest overall option uh and it was a just a huge launch um i think it's one of our top performing stories for the year Great looking bike. I reviewed it. Great riding bike as well. Did that tickle your pickle, Jack? 
This is certainly did. The one you had was quite delightful. The uh, top end, ten and a billion pound bike with uh, SRAM Red, ETAP XS, all the bells and whistles. It was quite a delightful thing. And it sported a fetching green paint job. Um, I would reiterate Matthew's point that we're all too aware that we talk about special lot, but it's again, it's reflected in the things people want to read about. And if I'm not mistaken, it was in the uh, the top five stories for the year overall. Um, people really want to read about them and they've been on a bit of a roll in terms of launches. The Tarmac isn't the only thing they've come out with this year. In a, I would say, controversial move for 2020, they basically re-released the old Tarmac in the form of the Athos, which is their all-singing, all-dancing, lightweight bike that's focused solely on the love of riding rather than racing. I think Specialized would strongly take issue with the assertion that they just <laughs> relaunched an old Tarmac, but the Athos, according to them, is not designed, first and foremost, to be a race bike. You could race it, obviously, as long as you build it to a UCI legal weight, if, that's, if that matters to the racing you're doing. But it was all about pure road riding so it's a bike with no aero features whatsoever very classic looking frame but then all the modern advantages of you know flat mount disc brakes huge tire clearances various other niceties and of course most importantly of all was the fact that it had a frame that's claimed to weigh 585 grams which by any measure is an extraordinary figure we know that weight doesn't necessarily matter that much, but the fact is that that's incredibly light, lightest production bike ever, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and the fact that it's also got disc brakes in spite of this, because you would think on the face of it, if you were launching a pure weight weenie type bike, you wouldn't start with disc brakes. But Specialized has done that and created a bike that's everyday rideable, but extraordinarily light and you know the complete bike is under six kilograms uh and i've ridden it and it is it's phenomenal yes of course it is an absolutely beautiful bike and that's perhaps what matters the most but it is funny that if you looked back just six years ago the bike would look like every other bike on the market so it's funny that this is kind of reinvented as a new concept but it captured the public's imagination. It was very popular. And actually, just to finish up with Specialized, they released their lightest bike ever just last week in the form of the £1,000 Hot Walk Carbon Balance Bike. The only bike that we've ever covered on Bike Radar that Matthew, who at 53 kilos... That's correct. ...is officially too heavy to ride. Yeah, although actually I now really want to have a go on one because actually <laughs> I reckon it would probably be fine. But yeah, the, so. the hot walk carbon is just, I mean, it's obviously absurd. It's a, it's a carbon balance bike. It's got, a, you know, carbon frame, carbon fork, carbon handlebars, carbon wheels, which I'm assuming they had to make specially because you can't buy, what are they, 12-inch wheels, I think? Something like, yeah, tiny. Uh, and, you know, it's the ultimate toddler one percenter bike and <laughs> one could make an argument that in a time when we're trying to get as many people on bikes as possible maybe this isn't helpful but i can't help just appreciate the sheer novelty and amusement of something so ridiculous um, oh it, it's hilarious and you know the the reaction was mostly mixed to will say i i think people need to view it through a bit of a you know, a critical lens and think of it as a, a genius marketing coup. And I have no doubt in my mind that Specialized will sell all of them. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will. It's like when they come out with something, like the Athos came out with a Founders Edition, which you now can't buy, I think, because they've probably sold them all, and that was a £13,000 bike at launch. So people's sensitivity to bike pricing is uh, ever... Well, prices are increasing, put it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. What would you spend £13,000 on, Matthew? Uh, probably four different bikes. <laughs> Or or one car and three bikes that I could take in that car. Mm, I'd probably buy, I don't know, like a new kitchen, a really nice new cooker, and, uh, I don't know, one fixie, because that's all you need, <laughs> mate. <laughs> should we uh, move on? Let's move on. I think one of the things we should really stress is that we are absolutely embracing all new tech at Bike Radar. We celebrate everything from the everyday hybrid to the uh, most uncompromising air weapon. But there's no denying that, similar to the Athos, lightweight bikes really tickle the collective pickle, to use your phrase, Matthew, of the Bike Radar audience. And two key stories this year were of a really lightweight bike that was released by Burke earlier in the year and a similar one from AX Lightness, which was a disc-equipped model, both of which weighed a feathery sub-six kilos. And they... Very popular. <laughs> yeah, it's actually quite funny. Like the the Berk bike, or Berk, I'm not actually sure how you say it. Um, that was three point nine kilos, I think, mm. complete, which is so far into the realm of like weight weenie exotica. Uh, the AX lightness, interestingly, actually is somewhat heavier than the Athos that came out not that long after, and I imagine that. It might have been a bit of a gloomy day at AX Lightness HQ when Specialized did a kind of full production thing that was no more expensive, I think, and in my opinion, rather better looking. But anyway, people love to read about lightweight bikes, even if aerodynamics matter more. Many of us don't care. <laughs> the Burke was definitely the star of the show, though, with that 3.9 kilo weight and... Honestly, the gallery is worth looking through, not least because Burke supplied us with really lovely photos, but we're talking carbon chain rings, sculpted front derailleurs, mad carbon jockey wheels, uh, like brake levers which have been hollowed out. It is completely bonkers. And the guy who I occasionally speaks to still, he rides it daily, I think, this bike. He, he has built it as a daily rider. Now, you wouldn't find me riding it very often because I would undoubtedly trash such a lovely thing very quickly. But it's one of the more practical weight weenie builds that are out there and uh, it's definitely worth looking through. We'll put links to all the stories we've mentioned, by the way, in the article that accompanies this podcast. Um, and then you can comment and tell us how wrong we are about everything we've said about them. Yes. And tell us what you want to see more of as well in 2021. Do you not care about lightweight tech or do you find aerotech incredibly boring? Let us know in the comments and we might listen. <laughs> Moving on. This was a big year for gravel drivetrains. Now, in 2019, Shimano launched GRX, which was a really significant moment because it was Shimano finally jumping into the hottest riding niche that is gravel. This year, things have continued competition. Uh, SRAM has greatly improved its gearing offering with its force-wide gearing that goes with the ETAP, force ETAP axis group set. So you can now get properly low gears with that setup. And then more recently, Campagnolo, a storied, very road-centric brand that hasn't dabbled off-road for 30-odd years, came out with its Eckar 
13-speed mechanical gravel group set, it's fair to say that it's all happening in gravel, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And sorry, I keep banging on about this, but it is also reflected in the popularity of stories on site. Gravel is the biggest thing on bike radar. Um, and also on our YouTube channel as well, by far people want to see gravel content. Um, and I think that's for a number of reasons. I think for the majority of people, a gravel bike will do everything they'll reasonably ever want a bike to do. And unlike us fully paid up members of the Cycling Illuminati, most people will be buying one single bike. So from a purely practical perspective, gravel bikes make a lot of sense. But also, you know, there's something very romantic about the idea of being able to go off the beaten track, do some touring if you want. I think, you know, 2021 could be a real kind of resurgence of touring and bikepacking because people perhaps conscious about international travel will look closer to home and touring is a really nice way to see it. So perhaps gearing up for that, but also a lot of really interesting new tech coming out is, has definitely helped fuel things. Um, you actually just published your review of the Eckhart Group set, didn't you, Matthew? Yes, and by and large, I was quite pleased and impressed with it. It's to come out of the gate with something like that because it's it's a ground-up, brand-new group set. It's based on a new Campagnolo Free Hub, which is like a shortened version of the existing Road one to basically allow them to use a nine tooth cog on their cassettes which is tiny by any standard and that's controversial in itself because some people think that nine tooth cogs have excessive mechanical losses but the fact is they've taken quite a clean sheet approach with ekar so it's it's 13 speed and it has cassettes that go as small as nine tooth and as big as 44 tooth uh, and there's three different options but for general gravel riding it's pretty much got everything you need. And I think with 13 gears, it's it's maybe the first one-by setup I've ridden where I've genuinely thought there's literally no reason to want a front derailleur with this setup. And I'm somebody who is in no way anti-front derailleur. I, I would still opt for a double with an 11-speed setup on most, most road or gravel bikes. Not on a mountain bike, but road or gravel bikes for sure. Um, and yeah, it just it comes together in quite a nice group. So it has some quirks. I recommend you read the review on Bike Radar. There's some funny ergonomic things about it, but I do like it. And if you're familiar with Campagnolo's shifting, then you'll get on well with Eckar. I think it's interesting that they, they're not, I'd say they're not the most um, daring brand, should we say. They've, they have some really interesting, beautiful tech built into their, uh, road group sets, but you know they're never really making waves of doing something totally mad. And Eckar is objectively quite mad, a thing to to release. But you know it's been picked up in a bigger way by OEM brands than you know anything I've seen from the brand certainly since I started at, at Bike Radar. And we're seeing it specced on things like the Specialized Diverge and other. Uh, I think like the Three T Explorer was another example. So it's out there, it's in the wild, and I really hope just so we get a bit more variation in the market, that we see more of it in 2021 and more brands specking it. Yeah, I agree completely. I think more competition in the drivetrain market cannot be a bad thing. I think the, the sticking points with Eckhart are because it is such a self-contained system, if you don't like exactly what it's offering, there isn't really scope to mix and match. Whereas with Shimano and SRAM's current gravel offering, you can kind of, you can push the limits of what the components are capable of, for example, 
in some cases fitting a slightly bigger cassette than is theoretically allowed or like with SRAM's axis system you can raid the eagle axis mountain bike group sets um, if you want really really extremely low gears for example with Campagnolo it's 13 speed it's a specific free hub um, you'll you've got the options that they offer, but at the moment there are no other options that you could possibly add to the mix there. That may change. There might be aftermarket components that appear, but at the moment it doesn't have that kind of flexibility. Another little quirky gravel drivetrain thing we'll mention in brief is the uh, new Ridley Canzo Fast, which is a kind of aero-focused race gravel bike. Uh, it was released with a unique one by 11 or sorry two by 11 or two by 12 drivetrain which essentially integrated a two-speed internal gear hub in the rear and paired it with a regular cassette kind of mimicking the function of a front derailleur but with none of the compromises and arguably potentially a little bit more uh, reliable than a front derailleur and uh, that that was a really interesting piece of tech which captured the imagination of the audience yeah i i thought that was really cool and different what they've done there i mean as a concept not totally unheard of i think is it bromptons that come with the option of like a two-speed rear hub but then marrying that to a cassette again there are some issues maybe with proprietary components because um it's called classified the two-speed hub that's the brand name and they use their own cassette which i do feel like is probably going to put some people off because it's such a new brand that you don't necessarily have that confidence that they'll be around in five or ten years I hope they are. Um, But just to see that kind of left field thinking, because the kind of traditional model of a drivetrain with derailleurs only and, you know, a front derailleur and a rear derailleur and stuff, there are so many other ways we could do it. And it's really good to see people testing the limits of what's possible. Back in 2019, I wrote a big piece on a patent I uncovered that showed that Shimano maybe was developing a, a gearbox. Now, down the line, there's been very little said on it, um, but it was one of the biggest stories of that year. And uh, that's what I want to see in 2021. I want to see something totally mad from Shimano um, in the form of a gearbox or, I don't know, new chains or something. Just something that, is, that it will completely reconfigure how we think about drivetrains because make my job much easier if there's something really crazy to talk about. <laughs> The other piece of vaporware that has conspicuously not appeared um, is Ceramic Speed had its driven mm. drivetrain, and we kept we kept seeing teasers of it. Um, this was a strange combination of a sort of shaft drive, and I don't really know how to describe it. Um, basically, operating in a very different way to a chain, um, and it was one of our biggest stories, news stories of last year. But haven't seen hide nor hair of that for a while, so I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, well, something that we, I think, probably predicted in one of these podcasts last year was that we'd see a new Dura-Ace group set from Shimano in 2020, and that has not appeared. So we're pretty optimistic that we will see one next year, and it'll be very interesting to see where Shimano goes with that because Shimano is such an influential company where they go, others tend to follow, and there's all these big questions about you know, is it going to be wireless? Is it going to be 12 speed? Almost certainly, yes. What else could they possibly do? What do you think they're going to do? Uh, I think both of those things. I think it will be wireless or semi-wireless, and I think it will be 12 speed because that's what SRAM is doing, and I don't think they'll want to be playing second fiddle. And also, like practically speaking, a wireless group set, if you've ever built a bike with one, is 
a joy. It's an absolute joy not having to thread cables through a, a, a bike. But the 12-speed thing, I mean, they've gone 12-speed on their mountain bike stuff, even all the way down to Dior level. The tech is in place in terms of their microspline hub. Whether or not they use that for the road, I don't know. But I think 12-speed is almost a given. There might be something else crazy in there. We we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but the um, uh, SBDSL power meter pedal um, that we discussed had some really interesting tech around piezoelectrics, which essentially use flexing or motion within a pedal to generate power or act as a sensor. But also some years ago, I reported on a dynamo uh, hub, or sorry, a dynamo jockey wheel that Shimano had patented. And if Shimano wanted to go for the very lightest weight possible system, they could, in theory, integrate that kind of tech to reduce the overall weight of a group set. I mean, I don't think they'll do this necessarily, but I'd like to see them do it because it'd be mad. I think if nine teeth cogs on Eckhart annoyed people about mechanical losses, the idea that there's a dynamo permanently built into their group set might might really upset people. But yeah, it'll be fascinating to see where they go with it because Shimano is a very, very important brand. So that seems like a good place to end things. We'd love to hear your tech predictions for 2021, whether it's group sets, bikes, anything that you think is going to come along, all that should come along but probably won't. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Check out the accompanying article and leave us a friendly or critical comment if you would like to. (laughs) I've been Matthew Loveridge talking to Jack Luke. Thanks very much for listening. Have a happy 2021. Happy Christmas, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.